Hello, friends. Welcome to 1,000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. Uh, well, we've made it about halfway through what must have seemed like a very long week to Jesus. Percentage-wise, this one week takes up most of the real estate in the Gospels. For instance, a third of Matthew is this one week, a third of Mark, a quarter of Luke, nearly half of John uh, is taken up by just this one week out of the 33 years Jesus lived on earth and the three years he ministered publicly. Someone said that the Gospels are really Holy Week narratives with long introductions. But without this week, without the cross and the resurrection, nothing changes. Jesus came to do and say lots of wonderful things, but all of that means nothing if he doesn't die and resurrect. None of it matters without this week we're walking through now. We are talking about the most necessary thing imaginable, the death of Jesus. And today's scene, ironically, is Mary breaking this jar of perfume to anoint Jesus. She's ridiculed for being wasteful, but in fact, she's prefiguring exactly what Jesus is about to do with himself for us. The most necessary act imaginable is primarily a seemingly useless act of wasteful beauty. So here's where we are in our story. Sunday, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. Monday, he cleansed the corrupt temple. Tuesday, we imagined Jesus reflecting on how he is fulfilling the overarching narrative of Scripture as he answers the promise God gave Abraham. And today, we see him with friends. When Mary comes to do a foolish and crucially beautiful thing, Mark 14, 3 through 11. Now, while Jesus was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of costly aromatic oil from pure nard. After breaking open the jar, she poured it on his head. But some who were present indignantly said to one another, Why this waste of expensive ointment? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Could have given the money to the poor. So they spoke angrily to her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. You will always have the poor with you, and you can do good for them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She anointed my body beforehand for burial. And I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, What she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus into their hands. And when they heard this, they were delighted and they promised to give him money. So Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray him. Imagine with me, Mary does a beautiful thing. 
Can you imagine the loneliness Jesus is likely feeling at this point? Every time he mentions to his disciples that he must die, they don't get it. Or they get it enough to try to stop him, which just reinforces the fact that they don't get it. We've all felt that sense of being lonely, even in a crowd. We smile, make small talk, but our heart isn't in it. Maybe we do dare to venture out and begin to speak about what's really in our true heart. But it's like being lost in the woods, crying out, Can anyone hear me? Is anyone there? With silence, the only response. I sometimes think at the center of life is a song of call and response, proposal and engagement. The most terrible, lonely thing is to fall like a tree in the forest and for no one to hear or take notice, or to sing up from the street to your beloved's window and for her to peek out briefly, then close the shutters. In the midst of this crowd, the man Jesus is carrying this unimaginable sorrow alone. But then comes Mary with a jar of perfume. As far as we know, she spoke no word. She let her actions say everything, because only this beautiful act of love could say what she had to say. The alabaster body of her vessel is broken open, and the very costly perfume poured out entirely onto Jesus. I've heard the idea of anointing is to supply the means necessary to fulfill an assignment from God. Who knows what strength Mary's anointing gave to Jesus? Finally, someone who gets him, someone who hears and understands what no one else has. And then, like loud flatulence, in the middle of the most tender moment of the symphony, comes the voice of the worldly wise disciples. What a waste! We could have capitalized on that, could have done something really useful, could have actually done some good in the world. The text says they spoke harshly, threatening her. They're not just mildly annoyed, in other words. They're really laying into her. And Jesus lays into them. He says, you leave her alone. Stop beating up on her. Meanwhile, Mary is silent like a lamb before her butchers. But Jesus speaks up. She has done a beautiful, praiseworthy thing for me. It's worth pointing out that immediately after Mary wastes her money on Jesus, Judas, in contrast, goes to turn in Jesus and makes money doing it. Interesting. The disciples are all pragmatists, utilitarians. This is stupid inefficiency. What is beauty worth? It serves no practical purpose. Acts of pure grace, acts of prodigal affection, are more than baffling or unaccountable in the eyes of the world. They're a kind of idiotic and infuriating foolishness. Maybe they make us mad because they distract us from our distractions, forcing us to face our real human hungers, the ones we've defaced, because in our despair that those hungers could ever even be met, they've become too painful to look at. 
But what we're really being asked to face is a humiliated, dead Jesus. John's baptism was the perfect case of anointing for Jesus as he began his public ministry, and Mary's is the perfect case of anointing to send him forth to his own crucifixion, where his body will become the alabaster jar, and his blood the priceless, fragrant perfume poured out entirely on the world God so loved. By the way, this means the cross anoints us for an assignment, doesn't it? But to the worldly wise, that beautiful offering will always be infuriating. Grace tends to be. We say, I don't want your pity, your charity. Give it to the poor, someone who really needs saving. But we're being asked to look closely at Mary's offering to endure the embarrassing truth it tells us about ourselves, and to let it lead us to the beautiful thing Jesus has done for us. He has wasted His priceless life on us, because we are, in fact, poor. We must face that truth. The truth that not one stinking drop of our useful practicality can save us. As one writer has said in contrast to usefulness, beauty will save the world. Yes, it is this act of beauty that has. Mary Magdalene from George Herbert's The Temple. When Blessed Mary wiped her Savior's feet, whose precepts she had trampled on before, and wore them for a jewel on her head, showing his steps should be the street, wherein she thenceforth evermore with pensive humbleness would live and tread. She being stained herself, why did she strive to make him clean, who could not be defiled? Why kept she not her tears for her own faults and not his feet? Though we could dive in tears like seas, our sins are piled deeper than they in words and works and thoughts. Dear soul, she knew who did vouchsafe and deign to bear her filth and that her sins did dash even God himself. Wherefore she was not loath as she had brought wherewith to stain so to bring in wherewith to wash, and yet in washing one, she washed both.
for Wednesday in Holy Week. O Lord God, whose blessed Son, our Savior, gave his back to the smiters and hid not his face from shame, give us grace to take joyfully the sufferings of the present time in full assurance of the glory that shall be revealed through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. 